so much for the global response to Darwin during his lifetime. What about now? The beauty is that Darwin needn't come to us through the medium of translators, popularizers, or even charismatic evangelizers. In our digital age, his published works are being made available directly on the internet. John Van Wy from the University of Cambridge and director of Darwin Online. Darwin Online consists of a larger amount of material about Charles Darwin than has ever been assembled before in one place. And um, helpfully, I think, it's also freely available for everyone because it's on the internet. So it consists of all of the things he published in his lifetimes, all of his books and his articles, and also things about Darwin. So it's a huge collection of materials unrivaled by any other. Darwin Online contains writings and texts, but it also contains tens of thousands of pictures. So all of the illustrations from Darwin's works and illustrations that Darwin was influenced by, they're all collected together. But of course, we've also upgraded Darwin into the digital age. We have Audio Darwin, which is Darwin's works read with a computer voice so people can download them for free into their MP3 player onto their computer. And this is good for people who have reading difficulties or people who just like to read in the car on the way to work. The nicest uh, audio product available on Darwin Online is an abridged reading of Darwin's Beagle Diary from The Voyage of the Beagle, read by a professional actor who's the same age that Darwin was when he was on The Voyage of the Beagle. And that's also freely available for everyone. It's a wonderful taste of the young Darwin. What sort of response has Darwin Online generated round the world? The new website of Darwin Online was launched in October 2006, and this event met with absolutely unprecedented media attention. The site was reported in all the international newspapers and magazines and throughout the internet and on television and radio. So within 24 hours, the story had reached an estimated 400 million people. You've gone from when it was basically the reserve of a small collection of experts who knew how to find these specialized objects, usually in a university library where you had to have a reader's ticket. We've gone from a situation like that to where now anyone in the world with any qualifications or without any qualifications can access the original primary materials themselves. Web resources such as Darwin Online and the Darwin Correspondence Project have offered a rich theme of material to mine, both by researchers and the wider public. We're now in a wonderfully privileged position as researchers by having so much of Darwin's correspondence online, all of his publications, his manuscripts, and a growing number of reactions to Darwin. Having all that available online for anyone to use, which has proved to be a remarkable resource for historians, obviously. And we're all using it on an everyday basis. But it's also curious how many scientists are actually using a resource such as Darwin Online, and they're quoting now from the original sources, which is great, rather than from other people quoting Darwin or from later edited editions and so forth. But I think perhaps what is even more important is that now everyone can see how Darwin was actually working through his correspondence, through his manuscripts, through his multiple publications. And that, I think, will have a tremendous impact on the public understanding of Darwin and, more importantly, on the public understanding of evolution. And we really need that.
and if future plans for Darwin Online bear fruit, then users will be able to access the material in a number of languages. Darwin's writings are of interest and of relevance to everyone, not just English speakers. And during Darwin's lifetime, his works were translated into a dozen languages and since his time into more than 20 languages. So one area I'd like to go in the future is to get as many of these translations of Darwin as possible. So already we have Darwin available in German, in French, in Russian, in Danish, and we want to expand. We want to have Darwin in Chinese, we want to have Darwin in Hebrew, Darwin in Portuguese, Darwin in Spanish. So of course there's a long way to go still in order to make Darwin truly global and truly available to everyone for free. Some might argue that the increased accessibility of Darwin's works to the general public may lead to a bypassing of traditional Darwin scholarship. Others contend that such specialist research is vital to ensure that interpreting Darwin's work is backed by an informed awareness of the social and historical context in which he operated. But parallel to this would be a fresh set of perspectives from demanding new audiences. Peter Kiergaard. Two years ago, we put all the Danish translations of Darwin online in the project Darwin in Denmark. We thought of the project and the resource as something which would only have scholarly interest and would be used by university students and uh, historians. What really surprised us was the tremendous public interest in now reading Darwin for the first time in a long, long time, and that everybody could uh, could read that. And actually, they did, and they started talking about it. But more importantly, it, and to my great surprise, was that our website with the, the Danish translations, with introductions to, to Darwin, and with a few of the reactions turns into the major resource for teaching about Darwin and evolution in the Danish secondary school system. And what we've seen from reactions from both teachers and students over the last couple of years is that they're actually using it and it's making a difference. And one of the most rewarding things for doing this and one of the greatest surprises has been to see how school children have been using it and have been using it to, in some cases, prove their teachers wrong. So, the revolution continues. <laughs>